Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. Here are your hosts, Dave Adamson and Ashley Bohens. Hey everybody, welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. This is episode 63 and today I am all alone, which is ironic considering we're talking about the hallmarks of a healthy community. Yeah, here I am sitting in the bunker on my lonesome. The only face I see is K-Daddy looking through that little portal that we have. Hey K-Daddy, how are you doing today? I'm good. That is healthy community right there, folks. Hey, you know, community is one of those buzzwords that we see being used in ministries and in the marketplace, you know, churches and nonprofits and corporations. They all talk about community. But there's one thing I know, K-Daddy, from being a social media pastor is that in the digital world that we live in and the social media culture that we've set up, people are actually more lonely and craving more community than ever before. Did you know that? I heard. That's a powerful statement that is just from pure wisdom right there. But you know, it only takes a few days. If you just walk around your community for a little bit, go to a middle school or sit in a restaurant, you can see that people are more lonely than ever. Now, we could talk about stats about depression and loneliness, but I don't think we even need to do that purely because if you just think back to your own middle school years and remember how lonely you felt at times, how isolated you felt at times, I'm sure you didn't feel any of that, K-Daddy, because you were such a popular man on campus, right? No. See, there it is. We all feel that sense of loneliness no matter what we're doing in life. And so today, that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about what it takes to build great community. In fact, we're calling this episode The Hallmarks of a healthy community. And to help us with that, we've got a couple of great guests on the pod today, starting with my friend, Mike Park. He's part of my healthy community. He is the pastor at Hope Westside in New York City. He's been in pastoral ministry for more than 15 years and has an MDiv from Fuller Theological Seminary. Now, speaking of Fuller, we're also going to be hearing from the executive director at Fuller Youth Institute, Kara Powell. Now, Kara is a friend of mine as well. And I don't know if you know this, K-Daddy. I say her name Kara, but she wants me to call her Kara because that's how you would say it, right? Would you say it Kara or Kara? I would ask her. Well, I did ask her and she said everybody else calls her Kara, but she really likes my Australian accent and she likes when I call her Kara. So, you know what? I'm sticking with Kara. That works. Now, in addition to her role at Fuller Seminary, Kara serves as a youth and family strategist for Orange, and she volunteers in student ministry at Lake Avenue Church in Pasadena. She is one of the smartest people I have ever met, and she is either authored or co-authored over 20 books and curriculum resources, including the most recent, Growing Young. Great book. It's on my shelf at home. It is a fantastic resource. It's called Growing Young. Now, we're going to hear a clip from her, but Mike actually got interviewed in the Think Orange Portable Bunker at Orange Conference by some great friends of the pod, Sarah Bragg and Holly Crawshaw. If you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know Sarah and Holly and how absolutely amazing they are. Now, before we hear from them, I just want to tell you about the Orange Tour, who are the proud sponsors of today's episode. Orange Tour is a 16-city nationwide tour for your entire family ministry team, including including your volunteers. Now, K-Daddy, have you ever been on the Orange Tour? Once. 
It's a lot of fun. You can tell by the enthusiasm in his voice. Uh, the Orange Tour is a heck of a lot of fun because momentum happens when everyone is moving in the one direction. And this is a great opportunity for your volunteers and your family ministry team to all come together and learn together and grow together. The Orange Tour 2018 will be an opportunity to reimagine the potential you have as one Voice. Now, all you need to do to register is go to www.orange.org. They keep writing that in the show notes, the www. I don't think I need to say that anymore. People just type in orangetour.org. You don't write www anymore, do you, K-Daddy? I know. So just go to orangetour.org and you can register for the Orange Tour 2018, 16 different cities. I'm sure there's one close to you. Now let's go to one of our other core commitments, and that is warm community. Warm community. This was so fascinating to see in church after church. One of the questions we asked of young people is, we said, imagine running into another young person in your neighborhood who's excited about their church. You ask them what they love most. What do you think they say? Well, those who are in churches growing young, the big phrase they used Time and time and time again, this is one of the dominant themes that young people use to describe their own churches. Two words. They said, it's like family. It's like family. That's what they loved about their church. It felt like a family. Here's a quote from an actual young person. This is life. It's not just church life. It's life life. It's hard. It's busy. But we're in it together. We're like a family. As we listened to young people describe their churches, we actually developed a a research cluster that we called the warmth cluster because they would use adjectives like this. Our church is welcoming, accepting, gives us a sense of belonging, authentic, hospitable, and caring. There was one church in Pennsylvania, about a thousand person church. And before we visited it, we asked young people, what do you love about your church? And so many of the young people at this church said, I love that Bill is there. Bill shows up at my soccer games. Bill came to my high school, my college graduation. Bill comes to my workplace and takes me out for coffee. We thought as a research team, we got to meet Bill. So we get to this thousand person church in Pennsylvania and we meet Bill. It turns out Bill is 76 years old. Bill had a tough adolescence himself. He remembers that at his major life events, there was no one sitting in the stand cheering him on. So Bill has resolved that that's not gonna happen to any young person at their church. So he's tracking with young people's schedules. He's showing up at things. And not only that, but he's recruiting other adults, often senior adults, to show up with him or sometimes instead of him if he can't make it. And so we said to Bill, gosh, Bill, We want to hear more about how you're recruiting other adults to be part of this warm community for young people. And he said, well, you know, I've got a one-page overview. You want me to send it to you? And we said yes. And so he sent it to us. And at the top, at the top, remember, you don't have to be young and hip. At the top, it said, welcome to Emmanuel's Brigade. Brigade is the term that he's using to recruit adults to be part of young people's lives. And you know how Bill sent this one-page document to us? 
He faxed it from the local library. Once again, one of the most effective lovers of young people that we met faxed us a document from the local library. Here's what one of the senior pastors said during the course of our research. Warm is the new cool. Warm is the new cool. So what are a few ways that we can live this out? What we saw churches growing young doing is their worship gatherings were less like a theater and more like a family room. Less like a theater and more like a family room. Now sometimes, like they were actually able to structure the meeting space so it felt like a family room. More theater in the round. More looking eye to eye instead of sitting shoulder to shoulder. But even in those situations where there are fixed pews and it is an auditorium, no doubt about it, they'd figured out how to have it feel like real life, not a performance. And I think in the 80s and 90s in many Christian churches, we were very focused on excellence in our worship services. Here's what a worship leader said to us in the midst of our interviews. He said, excellence can be the death grip of warmth. Excellence can be the death grip of warmth. Now, I've also seen churches go to the other end of the continuum and be downright sloppy. And that's not what we're talking about either. But we're talking about how do we create a relational space where people use their gifts, but there's authenticity about how that unfolds. But we also found warm community, especially with young adults, is that there needed to be both on-ramps and road trips. On-ramps and road trips. Young adults today, census data shows they're getting married five years later, they're having babies five years later, they're getting financially independent five years later. Some of you in this room, you're experiencing this, you're in your 20s. And those traditional markers of adulthood are often happening later for young people today, for young adults today in particular. And there's a lot of transiency, often not a lot of deep roots with young adults. And we stand up at our church, not our church literally, I mean we as a group at churches, what churches tend to do is stand up and invite young adults to be part of a year-long Bible study. And that young adult is like, you know, if I'm not couch surfing, I'm month to month on rent. I can't commit to a year-long What creative churches were doing is they were creating on-ramps, two-week Bible studies, four-week small group meetings, often related to vocation, to let young people get a taste of community and then commit to a longer journey together. And some of these churches were also being very creative in thinking about how do we engage our neighbors? How do we engage people outside of our church who maybe wouldn't come to a small group at our church, but, but would be open to gathering if we met someplace else. And so a number of churches did creative things for those who were over 21. Like there's one church that, that had a Bible study they called Theology on Tap at a bar. It's kind of like alpha with alcohol. <laughs> so a couple of things are obvious about that church. Number one, they are not a Baptist church, okay? <laughs> and number two, They figured out, hey, we need to enter into young people's worlds instead of expecting them to come to ours. And often those entry points were shorter on-ramps, not longer road trips. So think about the ministries you're offering, especially to 18 plus. 
And what kind of initial commitment? And is it too great? Is it too intimidating? And then lastly, we saw this in Growing Young. We also saw it in previous research we've done called Sticky Faith, where we tried to figure out how do you help high school students have a faith that lasts beyond 12th grade? And one of the big themes there and one of the big themes in Growing Young is the power of intergenerational relationships. In fact, with Sticky Faith, we studied 13 different youth group variables, 13 things that kids tend to do in the context of youth group. And you'll be glad to know that service and justice was related to mature faith. And studying scripture was related to mature faith. But more than any of the 13 variables we looked at, the one that was most related to mature faith in both high school and college was intergenerational relationships and worship. And so my friend and colleague, Chap Clark, who's speaking here at Orange, he says a lot of brilliant things, but I think this is one of those brilliant things he said, that we need a new five to one ratio. A lot of time in our children, our student, our young adult ministry, we'll say, there's an event coming up, Sunday school classes, whatever it might be, small groups. We want one adult for every five kids. Well, what we're saying out of our research, and we saw churches growing young who were living this out, is it's not about having one adult for five kids, it's about having five adults for each young person. Now, I'm not talking about five Bible study leaders. I'm talking about five adults who are acting like Bill at the church in Pennsylvania. Five adults who are showing up to graduations, to tournaments, to drama. Five adults who, as we say with our kids in the Powell family, five adults who are on your team. I want that for my kids. I want that for the kids at my church. I want that for the kids, the young people at your church. I want that for every young person in our country, and I want that for every young person on our planet. That we would experience this kind of warm community, that every young person would have adults who are on their team. And not only does it change the young person, it changes the adult, and it changes the church too. Warm churches, again, we started by looking at what's best for young people and what we found along the way is that warm churches, everybody benefits as they show warmth to young people. Welcome to the Think Orange podcast. We are here, as our friend Aussie Dave says, in the mobile bunker recording <laughs> at Orange Conference. I'm Sarah, and I'm here with Holly, and our friend Mike Park is at hey, the table. Guys. I know. Welcome to the mobile bunker. Oh, it's great. This bunker is more like a party van, and right. when I say more like, it's exactly <laughs> like a, it's a bus. Is it a van or a bus? It looks like a van. It's got lights. It's, it's, not got as, some, it's not as long as a bus. It's got some disco lights. It's reminiscent of prom. Right. Smells a lot like the like a shoe polish. Right. But it's, <laughs> it's awesome. It's great. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Okay, Mike, we are so glad to get to have a conversation with you mm-hmm. about for me. community and what that looks like. So before we really dive into that, yep. why don't you give the listeners just a little glimpse of who you are? Sure. So it's fun facts about me. So I was actually born in Germany. Do you know I, any German? I I know none. <laughs> yeah. So How long I know did you none live either. there. Huh? How long did you live there? Five years. Okay. So my parents were originally from South Korea. They moved there as young adults, um, independently. Met, um, got married, had me and my sister. And so they moved to Germany, like not together. Not together. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So they met there, got married. Again, yeah, had me and my sister, and then when I was five years old, we moved to Southern California, where I grew up. Became a Christian in college, my first year, 
pretty much changed my life. Graduated, ended up becoming a youth pastor, going to seminary. And wow. Yeah. And so the rest has been ministry and fun stuff. Yeah. And you're now currently planting a church, correct? Yes. So we just launched officially a month ago. Wow. And that's yeah. in, in New York? In New York City, mm-hmm. uh, Manhattan, on the Upper West Side. It's called Hope West Side. So, yeah, it's it's been a fun ride. Um, Is this the first church you've planted? Yeah. Yeah, it's the first church. So we, um, we're actually part of a, a family of churches called Hope Church NYC, and, and we planted all these different churches throughout New York City and, and, and Jersey now, which is great because, it, it, you know, everyone, all the other pastors and church planners, like, we're all friends. Mm, right. And we're just trying to come together and do something in the city and just see people come to know Jesus. So, yeah, I was, I was um, on staff at another church for two years, and then my wife and I planted this church in the Upper West Side. So... My wife's name is Jeannie. She's my much better half. <laughs> and yeah, we have a daughter, 15-month-old little girl yes. named Jordan. And she is adorable. Right. We will confirm that to all the listeners. That is truth. Right. Truth. That's not just daddy's problem. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you mentioned, we were talking before we started recording, that your your parents became Christians just like a few years ago. Yeah. So um, I, I was the first person in my, my family to become a Christian in college, like I said, and it's funny because when I told my parents that I wanted to go into ministry and become a pastor, I mean, they flipped out. And it was really uh, a tough moment for our family. And then that became, okay, you're doing this, so we're just going to kind of accept it. Mm-hmm. And that became, okay, if you want to change your mind, it's totally okay. <laughs> um, and that became, well, okay, yeah, you're kind of doing okay at this. So I'll tell you the story. So so years later, and I'd been in ministry for like 10 years at this point. Um, my dad comes up to me and says, hey, you know what? Um, when we sell our business and we have Sundays free, we're going to start going to church. Because you've been a pastor for a while now, and, and me and your mom not going to church is just getting embarrassing. Hmm. <laughs> um, so we're going to start love, going to church. And I'm like, hey. That. And I was like, hey, don't do it for me. Like, do it for yourselves, you know? Do it because you, you want to get to know what, what um, the Christian faith is all about and who Jesus is. And he's like, no, we're going to go start going to church. I'm like, okay, okay. Like years go by. And he, they sell the business. And my dad says, hey, I'm going to keep my promise to you. And I'm going to start going out to church. I'm like, okay. And he's like, where do I go? And so we kind of recommended some. He ended up going, they ended up going to the small church down the street from, from their house. And a couple months in, uh, my mom calls me and says, hey, the pastor and one of the elders is coming over for dinner. Uh-oh. I'm like, what do I do? I'm like, make dinner. And she said, I'm going to call. Okay, I'll call you after. I'll call you after. I'm like, okay. So she calls me later on that evening. She said, yeah, the pastor came and, and he, um, you know, I think they liked the food and they sat us down to pray and they prayed for you and they prayed for your sister and prayed for me and prayed for your dad. And we both accepted Jesus. And, and, and like I, just saying it like, as like, yeah, yeah. And like and we had chicken like, and we had like, yeah. Like, and then like, and then, but I like think they liked retro- the food. And they, I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Wait a second. Go back. <laughs> you know what did you just say and, and so yeah and then they got baptized um Super a few cool. months after that wow. and so that yeah that was about four years ago that's incredible yep well today we want to have a conversation about community and yep. really more specifically just creating a healthy sense of community so what does that look like what does healthy community look like specifically for young people sure i mean i, I love that question i think um i mean there are all these things that we think community should look like for young people, right? But one of the things right now that I've been thinking a lot about is what does it mean to give young people a voice? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're at Orange Conference right now, and that's when we're talking about one voice, but like, what does it really mean to give a young person a voice and to be able to listen to them? Mm-hmm. 
right? Because a lot of times, I mean, I was a student pastor for a long time and, and giving young people a voice was like, okay, we'll let them share testimony. We'll let them speak into, you know, how we decorate the youth room and put one, one high school kid on, on the church council or something, you know, something like that. And that's giving them a voice. But what I realize now is that, you know, giving them a voice to really share what the longings of their heart is what the losses that they're, they're experiencing, the fears that they have. Like, I mean, we, we see what's going on with the kids from Florida. Like, they're expressing and they're, they're being a voice for, I think, so many other kids in their generation. And so, so I think, in a, you know, take it down to like a local church. If you're creating a space for these young people to be able to share things that is going on in their lives and going on in their heart that may not be easy, like that are filled with tension, then I think that's a really healthy thing. And it's scary. But I think it's a, it's a super healthy sign to be able to create that space. So when you say young people, I yeah. mean, there's probably people of all ages listening right now. When yeah. you say young people specifically, you're talking about students. Yeah, so I, yeah, I'm talking about um, yeah, middle school and high school students specifically. But I mean, I'm planting a church right now right. that is majority like under the age of 35. Wow, that's cool. Right? Yeah. And, and actually, probably the bigger percentage is under the age of 30. Mm. Um, they're looking for a place where people are going to get to know their story. Mm. They're going to looking for a place. The community for them is like, is there a place who's willing to, is, there, is this a place where people want to listen to me? David Augsberger, who was a professor at Fuller back in the day, he said that being heard feels so close to being loved <laughs> that for most people, yeah. the two are indistinguishable. Yes. Right. If you listen to me and hear my story, even of the things that, that aren't pretty and the things that may make you kind of cringe and you still stick around, that means you love me. Yeah. So what is your strategy um, to make sure that, I mean, is it like a volunteer strategy? Is it something that happens from stage to make sure that the people in your congregation feel heard? Yeah, I mean, really early on what we did and, and we got in the practice of when we were a really small launch team is, is sitting in... in in a group together and just having people share their testimonies and share their stories, mm. right? And it's funny because because whenever I ask someone to share, they would always say, well, what do you want me to talk about? <laughs> what do you want me to share? Because it feels very, I mean, right. testimonies feel salesy. And I was like, share about your life. Share about what's going on. Well, can I talk about depression? Yes. <laughs> Please. Can I talk about sexuality? Right. Yes. Can I talk about my struggles with faith? Yes. And... I've had so many people say to me, like, hey, we, we said we, like, we committed to the church and want to be part of this because we heard someone share something that we could relate to and no one's ever been able to share in church before. Like, we've never been at a place where that was allowed to, to be talked about. I mean, do we do it perfect? No. Like, as a pastor, sometimes am I worried that it's going to go off the rails? Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's one of the things we've done and, and yeah. um, it's a cool ride and, and it's funny like the the further we go is kind of like becoming like a real church right the harder it is in what way what do you mean by that i think when you start asking people to come to your church and you have services and you have programs and whatnot it's i mean you want people to like your church and and i think like as as the leader now i'm and as the, the pastor it's scary to think that someone's going to come and hear something that they're going to be uncomfortable with and maybe they're mm. not going to like it. So, I mean, we were talking about a little before, right? Like so much of this church planning has exposed my own fears and insecurities and what it means for me to feel like a success. 
mm. giving people space to share the pain and some of the the crazy stuff that's going on in their life has nothing to do with my success. Mm. And I think that's so, – so that's something for me I, I'm learning to kind of wrestle with and, and, yeah, deal with as a pastor. Yeah, so when it comes to this kind of – that kind of organic really in that feeling heard and feeling like you belong – I think about in the world that we live in where social media is so big that it feels like community. And sometimes it is. There's good things about it. But sometimes it feels very fake. Like I'm putting, it's my, it's my highlight reel. You know, totally. it's what's going yep, on. Sure. So so I feel like there is this sense of um, just kind of forced community that comes along or forced authenticity. How can we facilitate really kind of an organic feel to to healthy community? Yeah, I mean, I... Uh, I mean, I think that's what we're all trying to figure out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think for us, it's um, it's been, I think, creating space for people to really get to know each other, allowing people to share things that wouldn't be on their highlight reel. Honestly, for me, and, and I, I've, I talk about this stuff from up, from up front, like about m- my own struggles and, and pains and insecurities. Right. Right. You set the stage. Like, I'm showing you, I'm modeling for you how to be vulnerable. Yeah, but I, and I think there's an appropriate level of that. Yeah. Right. So, like, I'm not going to make anyone feel uncomfortable by taking my shirt off. You know what I'm saying? Please, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, like, let's you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody oh, like, in this right. podcast is to keep their shirt on. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I'm super comfortable here. That doesn't make everyone else comfortable. Right. Um. So I think there's an appropriate level of like, okay, what well, is? It's really thinking about the other. Mm. It's not what makes me feel comfortable. What What helps someone else to feel comfortable? Right. What does it look like to create a space where someone else can just be themselves? Right. You know, when I was in student ministry, like one of the things I would think about is um, for our for me and for our leaders, what could we hear a student say that would shock us and not just shock us, but um, disappoint us Mm. because students know that for sure. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, if I share this, you're going to be disappointed in me. Right. Right. If you share if I share this, you're not going to want to I'm not going to be your favorite anymore. Mm. Um. And so as much as possible saying, okay, let's create an environment where, pe- where, where students can share things with us and they're not going to sense our disappointment, which is really hard. And, and, and so, yeah, I, mean, I think learning to, to create that kind of environment, it, it allows people to share naturally, right? So, yeah, I mean, I've had students share with me um, about learning disabilities and about eating disorders and, um, and all these things. And, and it, and it never was in a space where I was like, let's all talk about our pain. Right. Like, you know, let's talk. About, it was, we're, we're sitting together, you know, in, in the back of the room, like after eating pizza. Right. Nothing more organic than in the back of the room right. eating pizza. Right. Completely. A- organic pizza, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But I think that's part of it. Because I think that churches especially feel this need to have like a, uh, they, they think they're the most tempted to force community like where it feels forced rather than it doesn't have to be this official thing sometimes right that sometimes it is in the back of the room after the service and you're eating pizza and having a conversation completely so mike what are some stories obviously without naming names or being specific about the circumstances but what are some stories of transformation that you may have witnessed as a result of creating these safe spaces these organic spaces these spaces where you're willing to sort of say hey like here's where i am um, feel free to share or not. Like, what are some stories of transformation that you've experienced? Yeah, uh, it's funny because it's always the person you don't expect. Yeah. 
um, if you think about that that um, that middle school boy who's in the back of the room who looks pissed off all the time, <laughs> you know, we like, all know Don't that all one. middle school yeah, boys look yeah, pissed yeah. off to some degree. <laughs> um, and seeing that, you know, young guy kind of share some stuff that's going on in his family and being able to open up, like, okay, in a way, we kind of expect that. Um, the one that stood out for me is that there was a um, this this young woman, this girl that that grew up in our church, and she was like. Her family had gone was had gone to the church. She was like she went through our middle school and then our high school, and she was there. She was at everything. She was at our um, all of our you know. She was there every Sunday. She went to all all of our events and retreats and, and camps and stuff. And she but she was always she was always quiet. She was sat in the back. She always had her nose in a book. And, and honestly, I was like I was fine with that. I was like, oh man, you're one less person I need to worry about. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing. And she was, she was going to her senior year, and then um, so I invited her to be part of our student leadership. And we we're going on a con- we we're, we we're going to a leadership conference for our denomination, and we were traveling, and our flight got delayed. And now this was like before smartphones, okay? So that means we're sitting in an airport. I'm sitting in an airport with high schoolers with no smartphones. It's like the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what were they doing right. with themselves? The yeah. Walking Dead, all of a sudden. <laughs> oh my gosh! And it's like, so yeah. I mean, like we just talked. We literally were just talking, and and we had nothing else to do. We we're playing car, you know, card games and whatnot. Um, after a while, because I felt like oh, we got we need to do something productive with this time. It's like let's just kind of share, like you know, share about like what we're hoping for for this for this thing. And because there was student leadership, we're like okay, let's pray for each other. And, and as we're doing that, the, this this girl who was always so quiet, always, and she just starts breaking down and crying. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, what's going on? And she just shares that she just she always that she didn't like church Mm. she always felt like an outsider Mm. that she never felt like she fit in and and she connected with anybody and anyone anyone really really ever cared about her and we're we're sitting there it's me and then her and then three other students and we're just like oh my gosh we didn't we never (laughs) knew this and it took us sitting in, in in an airport terminal you know on a delay to be able to listen and hear what was really going on in her heart even though we'd known her for like you know i'd known her for like five years at that point some of these kids have grown up with her her whole life so and and again this is a good ending to the story it's such a pivotal moment where she totally came alive her senior year she went off to college came back after school she is still at that church she is like part of the leadership for like the young adults she got married recently and yeah i mean it's like I don't, you know, and I don't want to say it's, it was just because of that moment, but I was like, I, I understood how important that moment was for her just to be able to share what was really going on. Yeah. Yeah. It was the catalyst. Yeah. Really. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So I think there's a lot of leaders out there who, who don't know whether or not their, their community, that they've created this safe place to build authentic community, to build healthy community, organic community. So what are some signs that they can kind of look at so they can look at what they're doing and really evaluate what it, whether it's healthy or whether it's dysfunctional. So I think about for myself, right? If I if I'm going to lead a healthy community, I myself need to be healthy. But I'm probably the worst person to judge how healthy I am. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to do that about yourself. Yeah, totally, right? So part of like knowing the dysfunction of of a community is saying, okay, how healthy am I and how healthy are my leaders right now? Do we have space where we are engaging in, in like relationships and accountability and friendship? Because if we're not doing it, how can we expect our um, young people to be doing it? Yeah. 
right? So, so I think that's, I mean, that's where we start. Like, honestly, like, if we think about the, you know, like the markers of dysfunction and whatnot, yeah, I mean, like, is, are there things that we can't talk about? Are there rules? Are, are you know, um, what do people get in trouble for here mm. if they share? I, th- I think that's pretty important, right? Because, um, yeah, I think there's an adage that says, like, you're, um, you're only as sick as your secrets. Right. What you have to keep a secret is really, like, what's going to be the dif- dysfunctions in your community. So, um, so I think trying to say, trying to, to, to point those out as much as possible and trying to figure out what they are, uh, I th- those are some things I would look for. So, Mike, if a church leader is listening right now and they, um, they want to move more toward this organic sort of safe space for people to share and, and, and to be heard, what are some practical steps, um, especially since you've just planted a church, what are some practical steps that you have taken to make sure that people feel safe, whether it's a training or something that you're doing? something that you're imparting to your volunteers or your congregation as a whole, what are some practical things that you are doing to make sure um, there's healthy community in your church and your youth group and then in everything else? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, like I said, I think trying as much as possible to make sure I'm pursuing health in my own life right. um, has been a, a really important thing. So for, for a leader out there, I would say, start with you, start with you, start with your family if you're married, like how, you know, how's your marriage doing and, and, you know, how are your kids and how are you, do you, do you have support and in places to be able to kind of share about some of the difficulty going on, um, there. So, so that's something I, I, w- I would definitely like recommend. Would I think you recommend like if they would say, no, it's not great. Yeah. Then, then I, I would say like, do you have some, some people around you that right. you can share that with? Do you have some opportunities to, to find some help? I mean, I think it's it's really positive right now that we're more and more in in like a ministry landscape that is okay with counseling, right? That is okay with I therapy, agree. absolutely. Um, that says that like, and you know, sometimes it, it's funny because everyone's like, "Oh, you just need coaching." <laughs> Some people who need coaching just need counseling. <laughs> you know, I got my counselor on speed dial. My yeah, 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 and and both are great. Like I, you know, I, I, um, you know, I have benefited from both. Right. So it's not it's not either or. So, right. but I think like evaluating in the moment, like okay, what do I need right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think counseling. So for for someone's like, man, I'm not in a healthy place right now. Well, how can you get help? So that's something I, I would say. You know, in, in terms of creating that for for your community. Yeah, I I, I think imparting that like i said into whoever your leadership is and saying like okay how do we pursue this together um how how do we help people to feel like we can be some some safe people and and these can be some safe places for us to talk about this stuff yeah i it's funny because you know i I had um so chap clark who Mm -hmm. you guys know is friend of orange um i I had him in seminary and he said something that was always funny to me he says we're pretty much reliving high high school over and over again for the rest of our lives (laughs) and it's kind of true right it's true especially i think i always say even middle school even like there you cycle in do you like me do you like me (laughs) yeah am i doing a great job who am i yeah Yeah, for sure so i think some of the lessons i've learned from being Mm -hmm. a student pastor just totally translate into working with adults yeah if anything i've probably had to have more grace for adults than i do for students because you're like you know better (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're You're not not a high school yeah I mean, that's funny because you think like, oh, man, you, yeah, you're, you're 30. You should know better. A 13-year-old has no excuse. But it's so not true. Right. You know, a 30-year-old a lot of times is dealing with the same stuff or similar stuff that a 15-year-old is. It, 
you know, if anything, they've learned to have better coping mechanisms to yeah. to hide those things mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. or uh, to use those things to become successful in whatever area that they want to be successful in, even though they're still dealing with all this junk. Yeah. So you're peeling back so many more layers. And, and so it takes a lot of patience. Like if anything, I would say like, man, you got to be patient. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. So as someone who we said in the beginning, you became a Christian college. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And yep. so, you know, what impact did community have on you? in that what lasting what did you experience in those years that really kind of impacted you and go this is why we need community this is why we need healthy community yeah i mean i i think you know at the beginning i, I started going to church um in college and i got thrown into this like this you know i went to church because some friends i knew went there and and they provide a ride for college students on sunday morning so you just got on this this like shuttle bus and you showed up at church and yeah. and you got kind of like herded like cats right <laughs> like and and they threw me into this small group and i remember there was this guy that was in the small group and we were both freshmen at the time and and it, i remember he looked at me he's like hey we're gonna be friends <laughs> I like people like that. I was like, like what? <laughs> I'm like, oh, good. That He's, clears that up. Yeah. And like, we live in the same dorm. We're going to be friends. And I was like, oh, no. He's now one of my best friends. <laughs> I love it. He was in my wedding. I was in his. See, I'm that kind of person. That's why I like that. Yeah. I'm just going to force people to be my friend. Right, right, right. So, uh, you know, in some ways, like, and, and you know, when, when I first became a, um, a student pastor, my first year uh, of ministry, the pastor that I was working for, I remember he invited me and a couple of my my college friends who were visiting out to lunch, and and I remember we're sitting at this burger place, and I and I go to the bathroom, and I come back, and these two guys are laughing, and my pastor looks kind of upset, and I was like, "What happened?" And, and he, he said, "He said, well, hey, you need new friends." I was like, "What?" He said, I, well, I, we were talking about you and, and, and they're saying how they're surprised that you're a youth pastor now. And I was saying, well, I think that Mike one day is, is going to be one of the best youth pastors in the country. And these guys just start hysterically laughing. And he was kind of like upset about it. And I was like, of course they're upset, you crazy person. Right. <laughs> Don't say weird stuff like that. <laughs> so, I mean, that's all to say. I think like, you know, what community did for me is that I think they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Yeah, they gave you a voice. They gave me a voice. They said, hey, like, there's something in you that you don't even know yet. And I'm going to just, I'm going to hang with you and I roll with you. And we're going to be friends. And and I'm going to, like, empower you into this role that you have no business being in right now. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what community, you know, like Henry Nowen. I love Henry Nowen. Yeah. Right. Um, One of the things that he says that I love, he said that um, that deep friendship, especially like friendship between Christians, is me holding a mirror up to you. And showing you your belovedness until you're able to see it for yourself. That's pretty. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what community is. Yeah. It's saying that, dude, you are more loved than you realize. That's good. You are more amazing and God has gifted you in a way than you could ever know. And don't we all feel better when we're in a group of people that cheer for us that way, that see those good things about us? And that shine that hold the mirror up and like, you, can you see it? I see it. Point out the good things. Right. Yeah. yeah. And not just the bad, which we're so prone to do to ourselves. For sure. Yeah. And that's the whole so- social media thing, right? Yeah. It's like you look at someone's Facebook feed and you're like, you see their highlight reel or their Instagram or whatever. And you're like, oh my goodness. Like, it's like a mirror holding up to yourself, like showing you all your ugly. Yeah. Like, I will never curl my daughter's hair, but this girl on my Instagram feed curls her daughter's hair every day. And I'm like, I'm a failure as a mother. My daughter's always going to have terrible, crazy, yeah. thick hair. 
Dude, so can I talk to the ministry people for a second? <laughs> Please do. So, um, and I shared this with my congregation, um, and, and it was the week after Easter. We were, it was funny because we were talking about idols and success and whatnot. And I was saying to them, I was like, the best thing a pastor can do on Easter is to celebrate with their congregation. The worst thing a pastor can do on Easter is look on Instagram afterwards. Uh, yeah. Because then you look on Instagram and you see what, what cool thing everyone else is doing. Right. And you didn't measure up. Yeah. I was like, oh my goodness. They had, Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Like, you know, they, they baptized 20 people on Easter. We didn't have that. Like, man, they had break dancers. We didn't have any break dancers. It's like... <laughs> Mike, Easter I will come break dance at your church. I'm waiting. If that was your like, invite. Yes. Resurrection break your, dancers. If that was your way of okay. inviting me. Easter 2019, <laughs> there will be break dancing people. Okay. You know what? You're come right. to New York. We're going to hold you. It's, it's out there now. It'll be you will be held to that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm gonna start looking up costumes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adidas tracksuits. Oh yes. Yeah, that's what you gotta rock. Perfect. All the way. I'll just expense that to your church. Right. Got well, it. thank you for hanging out with us so and awesome, talking about Mike. community because I think this is such a felt need that people are trying to figure out how to create, and so I think that this will be a, some helpful step-by-steps ways to notice healthy organic community. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Okay, so there was some fantastic information there about how you can build a healthy community. You know, one of the ways you can do that right now is by sharing this episode with a friend or even with somebody at another church so that you can start a new friendship and start building a healthy community. That sounds like a good idea, doesn't it, K-Daddy? Yes. So, mate, why don't you do that? Why don't you share this episode with a friend right now or a new friend, somebody you don't know yet, just share it with the church that's down the street so that they can figure out how to build healthy communities as well because we can do more when we're all together. Now, if you like this podcast, make sure you give it a thumbs up. The best way to do that is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. We would love to get a five-star review. That's a big thumbs up if, you, if they give us a five-star review. What number would you give this podcast, K-Daddy? Six. Leave it a six if you can. Uh, If you can't do that, just give it a five and then subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And make sure you check out today's show notes. There's plenty of information there about Mike, about Cara, and it's got a whole bunch of tweetable, shareable uh, facts and information from today's episode. So make sure you do that. Just go to thinkorangepodcast.com. That website again, thinkorangepodcast.com. Hey, we can't wait to see you next time for episode 64. And until then, when you think next generation think on thank you thank you thank you for listening to the think orange podcast join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation for more episodes and show notes visit thinkorangepodcast.com 